Gospel of Matthew. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. After Jesus completed his 40 days of fasting and testing in the wilderness, he went down to the region, region of Gennesaret, to a city uh, called Capernaum. It was on the Sea of Galilee, where he went about teaching the people and healing all manner of diseases. His fame increased. During this time, Jesus called his first disciples, fishermen, the brothers Peter and Andrew, as well as the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Others would follow, including Matthew, the tax collector, who wrote this gospel. In chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew's gospel, it records that great sermon Jesus gave on the mountain, teaching the law of Moses as it had never been taught before. He went right straight to the heart of Torah, God's love for humankind and God's call for us to love one another and not to hate. Jesus told his followers in that sermon to love their enemies, that you might be like your Father in heaven. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, he was met by a Roman centurion, one of the hated, an oppressor, a dog. He was an unclean Gentile, but with great humility, he asked Jesus to heal his servant. Addressing Jesus, the centurion said, Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed, for I am a man under authority. In other words, that centurion understood authority when he saw it. He had heard Jesus. He had seen Jesus heal the sick. And there was no doubt. You have authority, I believe. Jesus marveled at this Roman centurion's faith and said, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we understand that God's initial call to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, promised hope for all the families, the nations, all peoples inhabiting this entire world. God declared to Abraham, and these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We also read in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all the nations shall flow unto it. As Jesus' fame grew, he caught the attention of the Jewish authorities. Now, I have to tell you, getting the attention of Jewish authorities was not always a great thing to get, especially if they were from Jerusalem. Their complaint, their main complaint with him was that he was not adhering to the teachings of the elders. That is, the rabbinic, rabbinic tradition that had been growing up over several centuries uh, before Jesus' birth, um, providing uh, help 
and Jews living a holy and sacred life. Their big complaint with Jesus, your disciples don't wash their hands. They came from Jerusalem, Pharisees and scribes, a delegation, all set to question him. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Jesus did not answer that question. Rather, he questioned them. Why do you transgress the commandment of God with your traditions? He's never been subtle or mild. He never went to a class of influencing and winning friends. Jesus, words condemned not those Pharisees and scribes, but he was calling them into account for their adherence to a tradition that was not from the law of Moses. Specifically, he pointed out something they were doing, something that they were doing that broke the commandment in Exodus 20:12, honor thy father and thy mother. One of the traditions that grew up from the elders of past was something called korban. That means you could take all of your property, you could take your wealth, you could take your house, your money, your crops, and dedicate them to God. And once they were dated, dedicated to God, you couldn't give them to anybody else. Now, what would happen with someone who had dedicated their possessions to God when their mother and father, who were elderly and struggling, came for help? Well, gee, mom and dad, I, you know, it all belongs to God, even though I just bought a new Porsche. I mean, it all belongs to God. Uh, I can't help you. I'm so sorry. Jesus really came down on these, these uh, Pharisees and scribes because they were sinning against God and their parents and the Pharisees were blind, blind to what they had become. This is always true for people who believe in God. When our faith is joined to something else, be it a social or cultural norm or a political loyalty, when our faith is joined to something else, when we prefer human norms and human traditions above the gospel of Jesus Christ, our faith in God is in danger of becoming a faith in something or someone other than God, the blessed, holy, almighty Trinity. All the ceremonial rules and that they had adhered to, the Pharisees and scribes adhered to, uh, especially hand-washing, were maintained as a means to protect themselves from contamination. For when they went out in the street to go to the market and they touched something perhaps that had been touched by a Gentile dog or a common sinner, they were made ceremonially, un ceremonially un two L's and Y's are hard for me to say, ceremonially unclean. They were defiled. The remedy of that was that great ritual of washing hands that the elders had passed down. But undoubtedly, the absolute need for such hand washing, the absolute need for such a, a compulsion for purity and not being contaminated by other people, 
would ultimately lower the value and dignity of other human beings and most certainly diminish how these Pharisees and scribes would understand the nature and character of God, especially for his love of all humanity made in his image and likeness. Jesus' relationship with the Jewish leaders would continue on this path of conflict. That's... Now, let's get to the text. As Father Glenn says, without any clear reason, Matthew tells us that Jesus and his disciples leave Gennesaret and depart for the coast of Tyre and Sidon, an area inhabited by Canaanite dogs. Historically a part of the promised land given to the tribe of Asher. It was never fully incorporated or subdued and it remained under the control of Canaanites. Now this is a place those Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem would never go because they would walk into a land that was so defiled and so unclean because of its Canaanite inhabitants. No Jew would follow him to this land. Matthew doesn't tell us why Jesus and his disciples go there, perhaps to get away from the press, to get some rest, or maybe Jesus to be able to have time teaching his closest disciples what was coming in the future. Yet even here, away from the crowds in Capernaum, his rest was interrupted by a Canaanite woman who came out to Jesus crying for help. Matthew gives us absolutely no background about this woman. He does not explain how she came out to be where Jesus was or how she knew who he was, but there she was crying out to Jesus, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She addressed Jesus by his royal title, O Lord, thou son of David. How does she know this? We're not told. She pleads for her daughter's healing. But unlike his encounter with the Roman centurion, Jesus ignores her. She continues her pleading all the more. And finally, his disciples come and say, Lord, please get rid of her. Send her away. She's causing too much trouble. But Jesus continued to ignore her. Her presence was disturbing to his disciples. Why was the Lord allowing her to pester them? Finally, he responded to his disciples saying, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of Israel. And in fact, his specific calling was that, knowing that in time after his death and resurrection, his apostles and disciples would go out and make believers of all nations. Earlier, when Jesus had healed that Roman centurion, he commended his faith and declared, many will come from the east and west, from the north and south, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the children of Israel, the, uh, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out. There is no doubt that Jesus, the word made flesh, fully understood that the salvation he preached to the, to the lost children of Israel was for all the families of the earth, for all people, all languages, and all races. For that was the covenant promise made to Abraham. But his mission was first to call the lost sheep of Israel. 
Once again, the Canaanite woman approaches, worshiping, pleading for him to heal her daughter. His response to her, it is not right to cast the children's bread to the dogs. Jesus did have a way with words. But listen to her response. She gets it. Truth, Lord. She understands and realizes, yes, the children get fed first. But the dogs were allowed to eat the crumbs that fell from the children's table onto the floor. As harsh as his words sound, she understood what he was getting at. Maybe what he said to her wasn't so cruel and harsh as it would have been by a Pharisee. By putting the dogs with children, Jesus was inviting her to view a domestic scene with the master's children sitting at their table for a meal in their home, the children eating their food while their pet dogs were under the table where they belonged, welcomed under that table, doing what all pet dogs do, begging and waiting for scraps to be dropped and falling these dogs were meant to be there. They were beloved. Unlike the wild dogs that roamed the streets eating uh, the dead and the trash. Now the Pharisees who questioned Jesus earlier would have seen this Canaanite woman as a wild scavenging dog deserving only their contempt. But not Jesus. She got it. He was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But God's salvation was for anyone, Jew or Gentile, who came to him in faith. Jesus commends her. Woman, great is thy faith. And she received what she desired from him, her daughter's healing. Like this Canaanite woman, you and I are the recipients of this very same faith passed from Jesus to his disciples and his apostles, to us. We receive this faith through the doctrine of the apostles, through fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. We have been incorporated into the body of Christ, we who were a part, who were not part of the chosen people. Let us not water down with traditions of our culture. Let us not alter this great and wonderful gift from God the blessed Holy Trinity. Let us not add to or subtract from it. Let us cherish this faith we have received from Christ. May the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts so that by our witness, his love will draw others to himself. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.